Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, DJ Chardangerous. It's your boy, DJ Big Bopper. And we are back with another episode of Wave, Wave of, of the, the Planet. Planet. Bop, um, <clears throat> how's your week been? Well, uh, let's go ahead and see how I started this week. I think Monday I woke up, it was 20 degrees. No, it was more like 18 degrees with the wind chill of uh, uh, 10. So I had to walk about a mile to work in that, and that was pretty... Uh, Pretty cold, not gonna lie. For Texas weather, uh, ten degrees with the wind chill it was pretty dang chilly. I ain't gonna lie. But um, other than that, I just feel like it's kind of put me in a mood where I've just been really sleepy because everything. It's just been really gray outside. It's super cold. I don't really want to go outside. You know what I mean? Kind of just want to snuggle up, stay inside, watch some watch some TV or something. I I completely one hundred percent feel that. I really did not want to get out of bed this morning. What about you, girl? What, how's your week been? A lot better. I feel better. Um, get a rental this week. About to say, there's some update in that, isn't there? Yeah, they were finally found uh, liable. Oh, I found out. So last week, I hadn't updated that. Last week was horrible because I found out um, that they were not holding themselves liable for the accident. And so um, they weren't gonna cover basically then we're gonna cover the accident my insurance any of that stuff um my medical bills all that and I was like how he didn't yield <laughs> and you know we collided so um basically went back and forth with their insurance on that got the police report on Wednesday the police report literally states that I hit him I t-boned him because he failed to yield to my right of way so after that um gave a statement Thursday, Friday, they called me basically saying that they're at fault, they're going to accept it, they gave me a settlement, and they're looking at my car this week. So, I'm actually hoping, I'm going home uh, at the end of the week, I'm going home Friday, and I'm hoping to um, hopefully get a new car. There you go, what kind of car are you looking at? um, I'm actually not looking at cars, I'm looking at crossovers. I drove a car, it was my first vehicle, whatever, but um, I hate it how low to the ground it was mm-hmm. it really ticked me off um <clears throat> and it was literally like driving sitting up straight just like sitting up like when you're laying in bed but you're like your legs are out and everything but you're mm-hmm. sitting up i hated it so much so now i want something higher up for, for sure and um i definitely like want to get a jeep i'm looking at some um renegades right now because of course i want a wrangler later on in life yeah but they're really good on gas, and um, I had planned on getting a car in November, right? But, you know, I'm not—I don't have my professional job yet, and, like, gas is one thing. Like, my car, my old car, very fuel efficient. This—the new cars, not so much. So, Mm-mm. like, I could get 30—probably, like, 27 miles a gallon in city, 30 miles a gallon on the highway. Easy. So— That's not bad at all. Exactly. I so think mine gets like fifteen in town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, oh my god, the jeeps are like twenty three is a really good highway for those. And so I'm like, uh So I'm looking at a renegade. Those get like I think twenty seven or so highway. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about right now. So hopefully, next podcast time I'll uh, have a new car. 
Yay. Do you know what kind of, at least, like, what kind of rental you're going to be getting, or? Um, I'll be getting a mid, like, a just regular mid-sized car rental. There you go. So, I'm hoping that, like, maybe if I drive the rental and I'll like it, I'll look at something kind of like yeah. it. Or, like, my rental's a Ford, I'll look more into Ford's. And you'll get it right in time for spring break. Yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping to get it Friday because I'll have to come back. I'm going home Friday. I'll have to come back to go to work um, Saturday and Sunday. But Sunday night, I'm leaving to go to Longview. So, well, at least you'll know you'll have like a really reliable car. Exactly. So there's that. Well, we're going to go into our music for today. What is your song of the week, Shardy? Um. Well, I got to go to a show. On Friday, it was so dope. I want to thank Jukebox the Ghost so much for the tickets. Um, my friend, my roommate Kristen, is a huge, huge fan, right? Mm-hmm. And um, she, I told her she was like talking about going home one weekend, and I said, um, I got some news that like make you might make you not want to go home um, this week. And she was like, No way. And I was like, Hmm, we'll see. So, um, we got tickets, and I was super pumped. I also got to do an artist interview, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that um, after I do the song and everything, but um, we also are going to have their, um, we're going to have, like, their interview, Mm -hmm. their artist interview is going to be a separate, we're going to start a new series um, with the artists that we get to interview or the interviews that we get to do. We're going to start a series about that. Um, then it's just going to be Wave of the Planet, our concert series, I guess is what we're going to call it. Um, but the song of the week that I've chosen is called Jump Started. I got to interview the um, the head honcho, pretty much. His name is Ben. There's three guys in the group. But Ben, he created this song, and he basically layered like 170 different voice tracks. Like, this song is very Queen-esque. Um... And so it was basically one of the things he's the most proud of. It's called Jump Started, and it's pretty dope. So take a listen. So that's a little bit of Jump Started. I'll, um, okay. It's, dude, it was really, so when I was talking to him, like, interviewing him, he mm-hmm. said that a lot of people, like, um, talk about how um, they're better in person, or, like, they prefer, he, basically, he said they're kind of a conundrum because of how their streams are, like, their streaming numbers um, are a lot lower, but they have really high concert attendance. Mm-hmm. Basically, because people hear about they've been touring, they've been a band for a decade. Like they've okay. been, or like actually, it's been like fifteen years now. Um, and so, yeah, they got together in two thousand three, so sixteen. Uh, so like they've been together for a while, and they started like they got popular from being like openers and like touring okay, as yeah. openers. So now like they have openers, which 
their opener was the Mowgli's. They're touring together, and I love the Mowgli's. I loved. I almost did a Mowgli song for my song of the week, but um, I'll play a little bit of the Mowgli's and um, Jukebox the Ghost on the interview. But anyways, you can go listen to that too. Um, but basically, um, they got famous from being like an opener band and like their genre is super cool because it's like piano rock Mm -hmm. and i was like what exactly is that he's like okay so it's like rock music with a piano (laughs) like not just a keyboard you know yeah like an actual and he's been as a classically trained pianist so it was super dope to get to talk to him like we we like actually bonded over some stuff it was pretty cool um but yeah it was a dope interview a really dope concert i had so much fun kristen had a lot of fun um it's definitely, I like in the interview, I talked about AJR a lot, and he was like, It's funny that you compare us to them. And I was like, I don't mean to like make that super, super, com- like, I don't mean to make that comparison. He's like, No, it's okay, because it's one of those things that like they've had some really good hits on the radio lately. And like, if they can do it, then so can we. And mm-hmm. I was like, Yeah, you guys kind of have the same vibe, same sound. You're just not brothers. <laughs> but, um, so I did talk about AJR a lot, but it's kind of like the same, like, how I talked about how their concert experience was one of the best that I've ever had just because of the atmosphere they create. So, Awesome, yeah. It was dope. Uh, that's That was my weekend. Um, this, that's my song of the week. How about you? Oh, hold on, well, hold on. This part of the song is all him. Oh, so he's doing it all in acapella? Yeah, he does. Like, okay. this is a part of, like, the 170 voice tracks. Ooh. Okay. So... What I feel like uh, piano rock, or at least to me, a lot, because a lot of, I feel like a lot of classic rock had like mm-hmm. pianos in it, because I know Fleetwood yeah. Mac has had it, I know uh, Kansas has had it, I know a bunch of different artists, or at least they have at least a couple songs that'll have it, and there's some that have four, full orchestras yeah. with them. So, I mean, I like that. I think it's pretty, really interesting to be able to uh, incorporate those classical elements into like, you know, new music, so. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. What about you? What is your song of the week? Okay, so my song is going to be kind of in tribute. Um, if y'all didn't know, Keith Flint, who's the uh, lead singer of The Prodigy, he died um, over the weekend. So I'm going to give mine to The Prodigy, and it's going to be Breathe. And uh, The Prodigy, they're kind of a weird band that came out in, I want to say, like the early 90s as this like electronic, punk, hard punk band. So... Just kind of take a listen to it for a second and kind of get your own taste of it. And see, I get like this really hardcore, like uh, more industrial rock, more industrial, like, I don't even know how to kind of explain it, but it's yes. very, <laughs> very industrial. <laughs> very but, interesting for sure. But it all comes together to where it's it's just really enjoyable to me, you know? Very enjoyable to you. Um, yeah, it's definitely, oh, <laughs> okay, those are crickets, not cockroaches. Um, it's very interesting. Um, they are 
Okay, I can't. I can't anymore. I would like to. I would like. You know, if I could kind of think about where I would put them, I'd say they're cross between Ramstein and Marilyn Manson. I think that's a fair. Um... Because they're they're both so outlandish in their own rights, and they just come together. And I feel like that is just like a good middle child for the two. That's the only really way I can really think to explain it to you. I know a lot of people uh, probably hasn't even heard of the Prodigy. Um, I know they were on the movie of Charlie's Angels during the fight scene where they're in the sewers. I know uh, they had a song there. I know they had a, two songs on that movie. So I mean. Maybe that's where I I know every time I hear those songs, I'm like, oh, Charlie's Angels. It reminds me of Charlie's Angels. So I think that's uh, basically where I ended up hearing them from. And then from there, you know, I kind of liked the music. So I went on on YouTube and kind of just went from there. So I don't know. I I think they have a really interesting, um, unique sound to them. So I agree. Um, That's all I can say. I agree. (laughs) I do think they have a very unique sound. Well, on that on that note, I will go ahead and go into that story about him on that then. Okay, and then I got some, I got something to tie on the end of that in tribute as well. All right. So Keith Flint, the lead singer of The Prodigy, died at 49 over the weekend. He is a provocative frontman of the British dance act The Prodigy, who helped bring the electronic music into America's mainstream. And he had died at age 49, and the cause of death has not been confirmed as of today, though his bandmate Liam Hallett wrote on Monday morning that our brother Keith took his own life over the weekend, but it has not been uh, determined if it was actually a suicide or what has been going on there. But The Prodigy has confirmed Flint's death Monday on its Facebook account and said it with its deepest shock and sadness that we can confirm the death of our brother and best friend Keith Flint, the statement read, and a true pioneer, innovator, and legend he will be forever missed. Flint was the face of Firestarter, the Prodigy's 1996 anthem that has often credited with popularizing dance music in the U.S., at least amongst alternative rock fans. The rave anthem, powered by a menacing MTV video starring a flamboyant Flint in a Stars and Stripes sweater, reached number 30 on the Billboard's Top 100 back in England in the Prodigy's first number one, although the band had already clocked the five top ten songs there. The fervor carried over to the following year when the Prodigy's third album, The Fast of the Land, topped the Billboard 200 in the U.S. and went number one in at least eight other countries. While the Prodigy's 15 minutes of fame in the U.S. quickly waned, along with similarly situated electronic artists like the Chemical Brothers and Fatboy Slim, the act remained popular in the U.K. where it topped the album chart seven times between 1994 and 2018. Flint's successful as a uh, success as a vocalist and lyricist was something of an anomaly. After spending some itinerant time traveling around Middle East in London, Native first met Liam Howlett, the songwriting brain of the group. And in the summer of 1989, when Flint requested a mixtape from Howlett after seeing him perform, and after hearing the self-produced tracks on it, Flint, Howlett, and Leroy Thornhill began to lay the formative groundwork what would become the rave first group that performed with volatile rock-like energy. It wasn't until 1996, however, that the Flint began to play a starring role on the band's recordings, including the number one hit, Firestarter, and Breathe. He didn't perform any vocals on the Prodigy's follow-up, The Fat of the Land, or the 2004's Always Outnumbered, Never Outgunned. So, he was really a visionary, in my opinion. I've seen, uh, like, a lot of that early work just, it's, had it been done before, 
it was kind of pushing the boundaries on what rock and roll could be and just kind of experimenting with different genres and trying to incorporate in them in their songs. So uh, for that, I mean, tip my hat to you, sir. Uh, condolences to the family. Um, it sounds like he did commit suicide. See, just... I hope so. Or I mean, <laughs> I shouldn't say. I hope not. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that the uh, details will come out soon. Um, just from what his brother believes, you know. Just, I mean, nothing has been confirmed. Just off that one tweet stating that he'd taken his own life. And, I, and I, like I said, I hope that's not true because I, mean, I just I feel like there's always a better option. There's always something you can do, so... Going off that, I hope not, but you said that you had something to tag on to the end of this? Yeah, some also very sad passing away news. This one was not um, an apparent suicide. Um, This is actually um, because of a stroke. We're talking about Luke Perry. Um, He passed away Monday. Um, He was suffering complications of a stroke. He never, he had that stroke um, last week and he never recovered from it. He's young. He's only 52 uh, years old. He is actually, he's currently on Riverdale. Um, It's just so, like, out of the blue just because um, he did not, like, he wasn't old. He didn't have any, like, health complications that anyone knew of. Mm -hmm. Um, He just had a stroke and didn't come out of it. He literally, um, he's been on Riverdale since 2016. Um, He was in the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and then, um, he was in eight seasons of Beverly Hills 90210. It was Dylan McKay. So, um, it's just really, it, this is one of those things that's, um, hitting a lot of generations just because like, um, our parents probably know from 90210, um, from the nineties, um, or soon or earlier than that. Um, he you know, did some other stuff as well. He wasn't just in 90210. There was another movie that he's very famous for. Um, and so it's like, um, it's kind of like getting real. I remember seeing stuff that um, that he had, you know, possibly um, passed away or, like, wasn't going to be okay. I saw a lot of, like, the uh, Riverdale cast reaching out to him um, just like posting their pictures of support, hoping that he makes it out of it, and he didn't. And that's so surreal and scary. So, uh, rest in peace to Luke Perry. Man. Very, very surreal time. So, it to me, it's always, um, it's always sad when someone dies. It's always, it's always sad when someone, um, dies unexpectedly out of the blue. I'm not going to say it's better when you have notice, but I think it's a tad bit easier to um, rationalize when you have a warning and you have some time, you know, to be able to um, get used to the fact that they're, you know, that they are, you know, passing versus just like an all of a sudden kind of out of the blue thing, so... You okay? Well, yeah, I was, I was thinking. You know, it got me in my feelings. I was just I'm thinking. sorry. No, it's like, because I've had, I mean, I've had both situations and neither of them are easy. No, absolutely like, it's not. It's just, it's, 
What do you find easier, though? Do you think it's a little... I think that... I think they're both hard. I will say I think it's a little bit easier when you know because you can kind of prepare for it. But I think that it makes the moment that it happens a little, like very hard because it's like, how do you distinguish? Like, you're preparing for this for so long for this person to pass. And then when they do, it's like kind of a relief thing. I, but also like... Because like they're not in pain anymore, but it's also like yeah. a... Wow, it's real now. I like to, well, how I see it, I kind of like, I prefer to not know, and it kind of just happens, uh, simply because because I feel like uh, if it was like a dated thing, it, it just, I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like it changes, like, the atmosphere and just, you know, yeah. what you would do, like, it makes things that maybe normal things seem not normal, like, you wanting to hang out and just talk to them, but it, now it's just a different feel. It's just a different atmosphere kind of deal. I think that there's more closure one way, uh, um, but the other way may be a little bit easier. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, death. I mean, death is always difficult. I, you know what's going to happen. It, I mean, it's one thing that is guaranteed if you if you're born is that you're going to die. So. One of those things that's that always sucks to come in person with and uh, meet with it. So yeah. I just I like to I prefer to live 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 life until it just stops than to know that it's going to stop and try to live life until then. Try to last till then. I don't know. That's just me. I'll just I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'll try to steer away from this and make it a little bit more happy news. Um, all our Buffy, uh, the Vampire Slayer, all the, our fans out there, that Buffy musical episode is now coming to vinyl. The Once More with a Feeling soundtrack reissue comes with the liner notes by series creator Josh Whedon. The original cast recording from Once More with a Feeling, the classical 2001 musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, is coming to vinyl for the first time. The vinyl LP is available March 20th at 12 p.m. Central via Mondo. The reissue pressed on a 100-gram vinyl comes with the original art cover art by Paul Mann and the liner notes by the series creator and songwriters Josh Whedon. Preview the record and uh, a mo. Mo Shafiq, Mondo record label manager, said in a statement, We've been a huge fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer for decades. Our obsession with the musical episode Once More with a Feeling inadvertently presented us with a solution to a long-standing problem of how to best entry point for us to celebrate the brilliant, brilliantly singular yet expansive series, and it took a few years to get it perfect, but we couldn't be pr prouder with the artwork that the Paul Mann had put together, including some truly inspired additional design by Chris Bellamer and Eric Montes, who came up with the idea of the Slay Bill lyric bullet. And uh, I know I know Lance is a huge fan yeah. of uh, Buffy the <laughs> the Vampire Slayer, and I know he was really excited to hear He's that so news. He's so excited about this coming uh, out. I'm trying to rewatch it. I, I watched Bitch and Pieces as a uh, as a child with my dad. He would he'd always be having it on, but uh, I'm stuck trying to get through the dreaded first season. <laughs> See, the thing I didn't have trouble getting through the first season. I um, I think I'm on season two now, though. See, okay. I watched the first season literally within a span of like oh, a couple days, and now I'm like. And then I stopped. I've I been, stopped at like the beginning of season two, but it wasn't. It was just like I, I like didn't have time anymore. And then I just like now I'm just watching other stuff. Yeah, 
I'll get around to it though. I think I'll watch it pretty soon. See, I know it is a good show because I've like I've seen bits and pieces. And I've hear, heard a bunch of good stuff about it from a, a bunch of different people. Yeah. So I'm just trying to get through it. I'm just I, I don't know. It's it's just kind of very bland. The first season, as soon as I, I know, as soon as I get through that, it's gonna pick up. It's gonna be really good. It's gonna be great. But man, <laughs> I've just uh, I've just kind of been doing like one episode every other day or two, you know, to kind of mix it in with my programming because I just want to get through it. Because I had the same issues with Vikings. The first season to me was very slow because it had to like set the tone for everything else and kind of had to make it like. Uh, kind of because it is a historical drama they had to like yeah. tell you what's going on so it was a lot yeah. more slow but after that first season all action all action it's great great drama great storyline and i know that's how buffy is so i'm just trying to get there trying to, yeah um i'm pretty sure that the uh i i know the musical episode isn't on season one i think it's on season two I want to say. Of vikings <laughs> no oh. the musical episode of uh, oh, buffy of the- buffy I don't know. Season two or three? Maybe? I just know I haven't got it there. Um, so I don't have to yeah, really I'm worry. I'm not there yet either. But Lance says that it's... Oh, it's in season six. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, season six, um, episode seven. Well, Lance is also saying that it has one of the... Some of the most important news is in that episode. Yeah. So some very important things are answered in that episode. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see that. I mean, I still going to have a, at least another month. Maybe, you know, maybe a spring breaks next week. I'm going to be off. Maybe, maybe I'll sit down and just binge it. Yeah. Well, you're moving into your new house. Exactly. That's right. I'm. Oh Lord, I'm moving next week. I haven't even started packing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you might want to do that. I got boxes. Um, well, that's that's good to know. Well, I guess that'll be uh, that'll be my task for over this weekend. Pretty excited. It's gonna be a nice house. Uh, <laughs> I'm just so ready to be on, be out, be by myself. Just I feel that nice I'm, house. I'm job hunting right now, so that I can start apartment hunting, and it's just like, oh, but I'm ready. But I'm you, ready for it. You you gonna stay at the uh, Mustang Ranch or? Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna stay at the Colorado somewhere. Nah, you should stay at the Mustang Ranch. No, thank you. Don't leave me. I, I'm sorry. Well, it's just my time to fly. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> Break it's my just, heart. Yeah, it's just not meant to be. <laughs> um, what other music news do we got today? Well, I think we should end it on a higher note. Um. Let's see. What else do we have? Oh, I have something about Spotify. We always talk about Spotify. Um, basically, um, it's not necessarily just about Spotify, but it I think it features Spotify the most. Streaming services. Um, they're now paying out big money to the music industry's gatekeepers. Okay. According to a new report by industry news outlet Music Business Worldwide, the three major music labels made $6.93 billion combined from streaming in 2018. The publication poured through recent investor filings from Universal Music Group's parent company, Vivendi, Sony, and Warner, and found that the companies are totaling $19 million in daily streaming revenue. <laughs> Can you imagine? Only $19 million a day? <laughs> Only $19 million a day. That's literally like almost a million bucks an hour. That's nuts. That's nuts. <laughs> um, broken down even further, the trio of labels generate... 
Oh my god, yeah. Oh, nearly 800,000 per hour just from music streaming services. See, but it's still not as crazy as Marshmallow's $20 million in 10 minutes on Oh, Fortnite. no, that's nuts. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> I don't think anyone will come near that. Um, as Rolling Stones points out, when looking at the combined revenue for the three labels across all formats and commercial endeavors, $13.4 billion streaming revenue accounts for more than half of that. That's more than t- a 10% jump when compared to how much streaming revenue accounted for in 2017. Uh, Universal Music Group saw its streaming share revenue jump the most with an increase of $864 million a year, or $2.4 million a day, when compared to the year prior. UMG's 2018 streaming revenue is almost double what it made in 2016. The labels, you want to know why? Why? Their most popular artists include Drake, okay, Lady Gaga, Ariana Grande, Post Malone, and The Beatles. Um, the music industry generates. The yeah, <laughs> hey, the Beatles are still getting some streams. Oh no, I know they're getting streams. That's just kind of funny to be on the same list. As yeah, all them. they're all on the same list. Um, the music industry generates tens of billions of dollars every year, according to the Record Industry Association of America. Streaming now makes up for a whopping seventy-five percent of its revenue. However, this newfound streaming music wealth is not being shared fairly among artists. Uh, streaming giants like Spotify and Apple Music notoriously pay out only a fraction of a penny per play. Music labels take as much as 80% of those earnings as part of traditional record deals. Bigger stars who negotiate a more favorable royalty split still usually share around 50% of the music revenue. So this is going back to what we talked about, um, basically how people, like how Spotify is going to allow yeah. artists to directly and- upload to their and they're as indie be, artists, so they can actually claim 100% of their royalties. Because people put indie as a term, like indie as a genre, but indie an indie artist is an independent artist. That's an artist exactly. that's not on a label. So it's not just like a certain type of music. You can be a rapper and be an indie artist because you're an independent artist. Exactly. Um, music legends and pop stars have even complained of how little they make from music streaming. Dave, David Crosby notably complained about streaming services low pay on Twitter last year. The founding member of the Birds and Crosby, Stills and Nash, pointed out that some major record labels received ownership shares and services like Spotify in return for the low stream pay, effectively locking artists out of the upside of such deals. Taylor Swift went so far as removing all of her music from streaming services in protest of the small percentage of earnest earnings artists receive. She ended her boycott only after platforms such as Apple Music made concessions like agreeing to pay artists for plays during the free trial periods. She mm. also forced UMG to agree to share its one point its one billion dollar stake in Spotify with artists when the label s- sells when they re-signed her. I remember when Taylor Swift's music wasn't on Spotify and Apple Music anymore, like mm-hmm. certain albums weren't, and I always well, wondered why. Well, see, here's the thing with the uh, like. Taylor Swift in particular, seeing uh, for her record label, she's what seventy to eighty percent of the entire income uh, exactly. of that yes. label. Yes, and she doesn't see most of that, and that's the thing. That's like why we think that some of these artists are making so much money. But like, I love like the like TLC back in like the nineties, eighties, nineties. Like they were talking about how they were broke. They would go on tour and everything, but they would be broke because their music label was getting all the money mm-hmm. and not distributing it how they should be. And see, so that's where at least like Taylor Swift can like or people like her 
can really make a change because when you're 70% of the income for that label, if you threaten to walk, I mean... Exactly. And see, that's the thing. A lot of people think that Taylor Swift is this and Taylor Swift is that. I personally like her. I like her music. I also think that people don't think that she stands up for the right things. I think she does. I think she just knows her place. Yeah. So she knows that sometimes some situations aren't hers to speak out on. Also, I think that this is a great thing that she's done. And maybe not a lot of people realize it, but literally I was wondering why like she quote unquote held her music hostage. Like I didn't know why it wasn't there. And now that I do know, I have a more, I have more respect for her because this is something that she didn't have to do because she didn't just do it for herself. She didn't just say like, if you don't pay me more, she Mm -hmm. said, if you don't pay all of these artists more. Exactly. So So she's taking advantage of the platform that she knows she has to get this awareness out and to really try to make a change and for that i respect her exactly um not like i'm not a huge fan of her music but i Mm -hmm. respect her as a person i don't consider myself like a swifty like a huge huge fan of taylor swift but i've started to realize that i actually kind of am like Mm -hmm. i've had every single one of her albums yeah and like i know most of the songs from every album like like you know there's like the singles or whatever but i know actually most of those songs i like i'm more of a Taylor Swift fan than I thought, and it's kind of, like, refreshing to see, because just because like, I see, like, she gets so much hate online for just, like, being a certain way or just, like, not speaking out about certain things. But I really, sometimes I respect the fact that she doesn't think she has to have an opinion about everything yeah. or doesn't think she has to speak out about everything. It's refreshing. Um, many streaming companies have recently raised their payouts as the services become more popular, or in some cases because they were forced, uh, a.k.a. Taylor Swift. Um, still, pay for artists remains low, making things difficult for unsigned independent artists. In December of last year, popular cellist and composer Zoe Keating shared that more than 2.25 million streaming plays of her music on Spotify netted only around $12,200. That's even after a raise from Spotify as her 2018 payout per play was greater than it was in the previous years. See, this is what's kind of this is kind of what doesn't make sense to me, and this is how I know there's going to be a change. Um, even though I know it's we've had small changes, I know it's going to be big soon. Um, I mean, we just got to think of the platform of what we listen to music. I mean, we uh, it used to be vinyl, then it was eight track, then it was cassette, mm-hmm. then it, it was, was CDs. CDs, and now it's digital. It's mostly I, w- I would go to say at least seventy percent of all the music we listen to is digital. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and they're starting to, they're realizing that, like, streaming numbers are going up, more people are starting to, um... See, and that's why they've had to make a whole, or redo their formula of what is a gold record, or platinum, or diamonds. Because they had to, because, um... Because they don't sell that many CDs anymore. They don't sell that many vinyls. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of purists out there, like like our boy Jake, <laughs> that you yeah. only listen off of CDs. But um, there's few of them out there. Uh, for the most part, I, me a new a new album comes out by one of my favorite artists. I'm just gonna buy it and download it to my song, or I mean, not to my song, to my phone, so I can listen to it anywhere at any time. I I don't really hold on to CDs anymore, or I don't buy CDs anymore. I don't buy vinyls anymore. Vinyls Uh, are making a comeback just for the, like, the aesthetics of it, which... Yeah, but that's just, I mean... I don't know, I... I love vinyls because I love the quality, because that is the 
most lossless audio quality you can get. Yeah. But they're also cumbersome. Yeah. And they're not very for me, mobile. No, no, no. Yeah. For me, like, if I get something on vinyl, it's a hobby. Like, yeah. for me, vinyls are a hobby. So it's like, I'm going to listen to this. I'm Because, I mean, it is kind of taxing. Like, yeah. you have to flip it every three songs. And, like, for and you me. You have to make sure your needle's weighted properly. Yeah. You don't want to damage it. For me, like listening to a vinyl is like okay if i'm in my room doing some homework or if i'm just chilling like i don't want to watch tv i don't want to watch a movie maybe i want to read a book or something or just like chill i'll put on a vinyl and just like you know um i think it's become it's becoming more of a hobby now that it we don't have to mm-hmm. use that way but it's to me it's it's interesting the way that like we're looking at music and music streamings because like we now don't have to um like, the way that they would, like, determine if a record was going to go gold or platinum was how many CDs it sells. Exactly, or how, or how many units it moves. Yeah, but now it's, like, how many times has the song been played? So I think it's very um, progressive and interesting, honestly. Which I still think is very uh, interesting because there's always the YouTube, which is, like, a free platform. Yeah. Like, how do you... Do they count any of those views or... Yeah. See, I, I don't know. It's very, it's very, uh, it's very taxing. <laughs> yeah, it that, is for sure. Because I can see uh, it needs to be changed, but I can kind of see where or why the uh, labels are wanting to withhold some of the or wanting a good chunk of that is because the CDs don't sell that much, vinyls don't sell. That's the only thing. Now, I do believe that. If it's an artist, they should get a minimum 50% of whatever they do. I agree. Also, I think the percentage should go up if that artist is writing that song. Because I definitely understand, like, the difference between writing a song and producing the song. Mm -hmm. But I think that if this artist, like, if this artist is not only singing the song, they're writing the song and then drafting it and doing all this stuff, definitely at least 50%. I, I just feel like any anything is intellectual property of, the, or like forty five forty five, and then ten percent to the whoever. You yeah. know what I mean? Like these labels make so much money for just being a name. Well, out there. Well, nowadays, I I think I mean they'll make artists make their most money from tours or the, festivals for sure. Yeah, festivals they pay out the wazoo for you know an hour act. That's true. So well to piggyback onto that, we do have another story. Uh, Donald Donald Glover <laughs> and Glassnote Records—they're settling the Childish Gambino royalties dispute. As you know, Donald Glover and Childish Gambino are twins. Yeah, um, I was about to say different I, people, but I mean, same look and everything. Um, in September 2018, Donald Glover, aka Childish Gambino, filed a lawsuit against his former label Glassnote Records due to an ongoing royalties dispute between the two parties. Now, Glover and Glassnote have settled the dispute, um, Pitchfork can f- confirm. Uh, the 2018 lawsuit claimed that Glassnote owed him upwards of $10,000 in streaming royalties. It also stated that the independent record label had been miscalculating payments in breach of their licensing agreement. Um, the allegations outlined in the suit included breaches of contract, good faith, fair dealing, and fiduciary duty, as well as negligence. So he's not playing around. Mm-mm. He's like, give me my money. He's like, run me my money. Which, I mean, I'd seen a lot of backlash uh, based off this because a lot of people are like, 
oh, you're already so rich. What's 10000 to you? It's like, he earned that $10,000. Well, and that's and that's, here's the thing that I feel like on that, that shows that every artist goes through this. Yeah. And so him fighting against this isn't just fighting for him. It's fighting for all the little guys. I was watching this. Um, I don't know if it was J-Lo on Ellen or something. But she said she likes to shop at Marshall's. And Ellen was like, really? And she was like, yeah, I love a good deal. And here's the thing. Just or no, no, no. Yeah, I think it was J-Lo and Melissa McCarthy said something around the same, too. Like, she likes Ross. And I'm like, yeah, because why would you pay more money when you have to? To me, that's sensible. Yeah, Marshalls I understand. is awesome. Oh, I love Marshalls. I love Ross. Uh, we have Burks here. I love Burks. Why would you pay more money than you have to for no reason? That's what I'm saying. I, I got some of the first time I got me some a pair of fancy underwear at Marshalls. It's originally like $75. I got for $20 for a pack of three, and they are awesome. There you go. I get so much stuff from there because it doesn't have to just I get like just because you have money doesn't mean you have to spend, spend it, it. Exactly. you know, like that's how you save up. And I feel like that's well, that's how you, how you stay rich. If you stay rich then you got to get rich. Exactly. Um, Glover's legal action was in response to a July 2018 complaint filed by Glassnote that requested a judge to mediate their contract dispute with Glover in court. Donald Glover made a claim that he was owed 95% of sound exchange royalties when we are legislatively and contractually required to share those royalties 50-45. A Glassnote representative told Pitchfork earlier that year, we are not asking for anything back from Donald Glover, just that we are able to retain the monies that are contractually and legally ours and have already been paid to us. Now, according to a stipulation of voluntary dismissal filed on Friday... In the New York Southern District Court, both parties have agreed to drop the dispute. Um, he released three albums on Glass Note between uh, 2011 and 2016. Uh, the first one was Camp. second one was Because the Internet. And then the last one, Awaken My Love. In Jan- January 2018, it was announced that he had signed a deal with RCA. And I, I remember when he signed that deal mm-hmm. with RCA. Because that's what... Red- Redbone's on RCA. That's not on Glass yeah. Note. Yeah. Yeah. So... Like I said, I it's I think he's fighting for everybody. Like a lot of people, they're saying, you know, it's already you already have so much money, but that's not the point. It's just the formality of getting what you're promised, yeah. and for the labels trying to weasel out of something that they say they're gonna do. So, I think, yeah. I think, like I said, I think they all should get fifty percent minimum on their streaming because I I know already streams are already enough or only couple pennies at a time right yeah or no they're like not even it's like a fraction of a penny or like half a penny a stream or something like that that goes to some the artist deals. or just in yeah in just general? in general yeah okay so it's like a yeah half a penny per thing so why can't they get a quarter you know yeah exactly. <laughs> but okay so before we start into our next segment our new story um, I got a little bit of update on R. Kelly. It hasn't had mm-hmm. anything on 21 Savage or Takashi 69 in this past week that I had seen. Um, but we got a little bit on <laughs> R. Kelly. So R. Kelly ended up getting bailed out by some woman out of all people. Not not him, not any of his lawyers, nobody, but some just random woman by the name of Velenia P. Love posted that $100,000 bond needed to buy R. Kelly out on his funeral that he awaits his trial. So uh, he's still going back to trial uh, in March or further down in March. 
So he's, I think it's March 19th that he has trial. Um, so he'd still have trial then, but for now, he's out and about. I think the first thing he did was go get some McDonald's, and then he hung out in a cigar lounge. Did he I, really? Yeah. This is the whole thing. I can't stand R. Kelly. I haven't actually really liked him. Um, I do think he's got a couple catchy songs. But as an artist, I've never really liked him. I've always known, kind of, like, heard about allegations or whatever. Um, I think we've talked before about how Dave Chappelle had the song pee on you Mm. um and so like i've never really liked r kelly but this to me just makes me want to punch him in the throat and makes me vomit just because the cockiness of it all he's just like yeah i'm out of jail i'm gonna go to mcdonald's i'm gonna go chill at the cigar lounge like yeah how are that's why he had to go to mcdonald's he couldn't afford even red lobster like Uh. Man. But he's out. Whatever. Look, I don't know who. I don't know how he got that bail money though, because he's broke. But um, I just whatever. I don't know. He pisses me off. Um, I agree. I I I don't understand. Like why? Why you did? I don't even understand why he thinks it's okay. <laughs> I don't either. Like if I were, I mean. The smart thing would have been to done if he, if he it got bailed out and immediately just like hide your face, just hang low for their like until your trial, you know, because uh, you're going to. Uh, I guess he knows he's going to jail for the rest of his life, so he's just trying to live up while he can. Maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. But we'll move into our uh, next story a little bit. Uh, kind of the same situation. Um, it's going off the HBO's documentary uh, "Leaving Neverland." Uh, since this one is based off Michael Jackson and, uh, whether you believe the stories told on HBO's leaving Neverland or not, it's hard to come away from watching the documentary without wanting to shake off the past few hours of your life. But it's, uh, been about two weeks now since both have been screened the two hour segments of the documentary. And it, uh, I believe it aired the last part on Sunday on HBO. And I know it continued until Monday. So, um, it was it was just very did you watch it i watched the first part and i made it halfway through the second part i just couldn't i, I just couldn't finish it I personally haven't, i haven't seen it i um, want to watch it though just things like that just I, I i have trouble um i just have trouble finishing because uh i'm not a very emotional person mm-hmm. but my anger is definitely uh, definitely something I have, and uh, I, I've worked a lot to control on it. I have a I have a pretty long fuse um, on a lot of different things, but stuff like that just really I, I have I, I have no fuse. It just gets me off. It gets my blood boiling. Yeah, I, it's stuff like that is just just makes me really 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 mad. Um, yeah, I get that. But um, you just can't unsee the photos of the. Of, of these young children talking about what they're doing, posing next to their idol, describing the act that that happened. And um, the Jackson estate recalls the allegations all absolutely false. Uh, the singer denied similar accusations under oath, and his family is suing HBO over the documentary. But uh, that hasn't made it any easier to watch for uh, Robson, 
now 36, and uh, Safe Chuck, now 40, and that list of the locations within Neverland Ranch they claim to have been molested by Jackson when they were just kids, and how the sexual abuse continued for years, and how they just now, as they are raising children themselves, are truly processing for the first time how this man they loved could have done something so violating of their blind trust and adoration. Yeah. And, uh... See, I didn't even know this documentary had come out, but now I definitely am going to go watch it for sure. Well, I'd seen that it had come out that I just didn't want to talk about it until I'd watched it because I just don't like talking about something I have no idea about. But it it's um, uh, I would compare it to like how you were talking about the the R. Kelly's surviving R. Kelly. Because mm-hmm. I never watched that because I knew that was just, I already was pissed off just knowing about it. Yeah. Like I, I knew I couldn't make myself watch it. Um, so, I mean, in the end, I, I did end up watching most of the, most of the documentary. And uh, just from it, it kind of, I mean, it kind of, I mean, it kind of just throws you for a loop, makes you really think about a lot of different things. And it, to me, it's like, I think, thank God, like, all these people, all these powerful people are finally getting, like, you know, held accountable. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like, man, it just ruins that nostalgia of certain things, you know? I think the it's, it's so weird to go from R. Kelly to Michael Jackson talking about mm-hmm. the same... Same thing. Issue, same, same thing, same almost, same situation, um, and and have different feelings about it because I don't know how to feel about this now. Well, see, this is uh, so. This is an excerpt or a question, I should add, uh, that was from one of the sources that I read about the documentary, and he goes, "So now what? We live in an age of cancel culture where public figures face one strike rule." You step out of line and we're done with you. One thoughtless design choice or word use can get you temporarily canceled. And while some celebrities frustratingly seem to float above the threat of cancellation, R. Kelly, um, we've seen many repeats and chronic offenders at least eventually face the biggest consequences. R. Kelly's been indicted. Roseanne is out of a job. So is Matt Lauer. And but Michael Jackson has permeated global pop culture more than any other celebrity to be tried in court of public opinion. And now in the first in recent time to fight their face, the trial of posthumously, do we now hold him to that same standard or do we have to cancel Michael Jackson? Here's the thing about this. And first of all, I want to re I want to, I, I said, I don't know how to feel. Uh, let me rephrase. I am processing this now again not necessarily again, but just like I always I heard the rumors, um, but didn't necessarily believe them. And that's on me. Um, I'm processing this now as an adult who who actually did love Michael Jackson, and love mm-hmm. his music. Um, I if the allegations are true, yes, I think it needs to be canceled. But here's the thing. I don't like the way that that article says that people get one strike and they're out or one word and they're out. Because to me, it's not one strike and it's not one word. I don't 
necessarily always agree with cancel culture because I think that people should get a second chance. But it's the thing behind what you say. Mm-hmm. With the whole Roseanne thing, I think it's not just because she, you know, called her a monkey and maybe didn't mean it racistly. Right. I think Roseanne has had racist, racist tendencies. And so that led up to that. And then that's why that being said wasn't a surprise. And so, yes, she's out of a job. And I happen to agree. Um, R. Kelly, yes, he is canceled because of the things that he's done. It's not one strike. It's 19 victims. Oh, That's no, not I one agree. strike to me. So I don't agree with... I think that cancel culture is different. It's different. I think that cancel culture is either two ways because there are some people that are going back and looking at people's tweets and then going, oh, this person, um, this person is tweeted this back Mm -hmm. in so and so. So now I think they should be canceled and that I don't happen to agree with that. I happen to I think that people can change and I understand that people can change. And so I think that, um, when things like that happen, like the first thing that comes to my mind is the whole Kevin, Kevin Hart yeah, thing. Yeah, I was about to say, we've and seen so, that with Kevin Hart. And exactly. And what, were my, what was my view on that? I said he was wrong in the past. Uh, he confronted himself like a man. Yeah. He, he stated his ground. He apologized. And, and he we said, can move on. And I he was think, like, that's what I, that's, I was ignorant back then. I've grown and I've learned the errors of that. And while I cannot deny I've said this, this is, that's not how I feel. Exactly. And I think that it also it's not OK, but I think that part of the fact of it is, I don't know, for me, I feel differently about racism than I do the homophobia of behind mm-hmm. it, because people are like being homophobic is now just now starting to not. I don't want to say just now starting to not be OK, mm-hmm. but culturally, we're getting to a point where people are realizing that it is what it is and you can't change it mm-hmm. so you can accept it or move on. Right. And so, um, and I think that the, I, I feel a little, not really differently, but I'm a little bit more tolerant of that versus racism because we're past that point. We're past yeah. that point. As a nation, we're past it. You can't be like that anymore. I mean, if you're going to be ignorant, then be ignorant and own up to it. But know that in my mind, you have no credibility. Mm-hmm. So when I hear that someone is going to be if you're racist but you're going to be a judge you're not credible to me you can't be a fair and honest judge i agree who is racist i don't think that so in my head like this and you know michael jackson wasn't racist so that's not the thing but (laughs) in my head it's like i'm really upset right now i haven't seen the documentary but i am going to make it a point to watch it tonight and i just think that I don't like the way that that article worded the 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 one strike or one word because to I me agree. it's not your words it's the intention behind it. I don't want to mention the n word, but this is kind of how I feel about the n word and how you know like white people saying it. I don't say it mm-hmm. hard R or A. I don't say either because I personally don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm a black woman. If you guys know, you should know that I'm a black woman and I don't feel comfortable saying that. So I don't in my head, I don't understand how anyone else can. But to me, I understand where the word comes from. I understand the pain behind it. I hate it. I can't even watch the movie Django. I really can't. I've never watched it because I just can't get past it, you know, mm-hmm. Um And so, like, in my head, it's just like a there's different intentions. Like, 
I don't agree with white people saying it because I think that there, no matter what, and it's not okay, but no matter what, there's always, it's a different point. It's coming from a different point of view and that's seen differently, you know? Even, like, even if you, I know you, you're not racist, you know what I mean? But, like, even to hear you saying it versus me saying it is different because it's got certain, not necessarily, it doesn't have the meaning coming from you, but the background right. kind of the of basis it is, of it yes is different coming from you versus me right and so um that's like i don't think i think that things are very like not necessarily very calculated but i don't agree that things are just it's just one word i don't think it's just one word i mm-hmm. think that you may have said one word but there was plenty of more thoughts behind what you were saying right exactly so um and then cancel culture, I don't, my opinion on cancel culture is that I don't necessarily think it's a good thing, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing either. What I think it is, is it's, we're starting to hold people accountable, accountable. and I think people are going to start being more careful with the things they say, and I think they should be. See, and uh, like, I, as we wrap up this segment, I just want to be like, I... I'm indifferent. I, I've never personally liked Michael, Michael Jackson as a person. I respect his music. I like some of his music, and I respect, like, what he's done for music. Um, and so that being said, I don't really have these emotional ties to either either way that it goes. That's why I'm, I'm a big believer of uh, the law. Yeah, and absolutely. And you are innocent until proven guilty. Yes, I agree. Um, so that being said, we will keep up with that. And we will uh, innocent until proven guilty. But I also believe in the power of like evidence. Oh, yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? Like some people are just get off. Oh, trust me. I I agree. But but when it comes to like official cancel cancel for cancer culture, I think it has to be. uh, Yeah, I feel like it has to be something that's very evident proven. Yeah. Or very evidence based. Yeah. Or they've been indicted. Yeah. Proven guilty. And based off of that, then we can kind of be like, boom, get rid of it. Now, if they are caught in the act and it's no no contest, yeah, get rid of it. (laughs) You know. But uh, like I said, we will keep you all updated as we get a little bit more news on that. We'll find out when they're going to go into court about it because I know – I mean, I know the estate is suing HBO. I know, I know HBO is bringing a lot of the uh, people up for trial to try to push forward. So we'll see. We'll keep you tabs on that. We'll keep you updated. So uh, hopefully our sports news is a little bit better. Not really. <laughs> mood-wise. It's not. I mean, yeah. It's like nothing disgusting or anything like last week um, with the Patriots owner. Um, Dear God. <laughs> Ex-owner. He's no longer. Ex-owner, thank God. <laughs> Get rid of him. Um, they got to throw the whole owner away. Um, <laughs> I think, well, I th- I mean, we've already talked. I don't know if we talked about We didn't talk about it on the podcast, actually. But um, Lance was very excited to talk about uh, WWE Roman Reigns announcing his cancer as a remission. So he's back. Woo. Um, and also, I just would like to state for everyone that the Lakers are trash. Um, <laughs> and, and why is that? Because they just lost to the Suns. <laughs> like, I think we knew. I knew. We knew. We knew this was going to happen. Um, 
they're literally like Jesus Christ. They're not going to the playoffs. I mean, uh, they're, they're they can't no. be that bad. Okay, stop, <laughs> stop. They're thirty and thirty-three, meaning they've lost three more games than they've won this season. They're currently on a two-game losing streak. That's not that bad, though. We've seen worse. Yeah, but I mean, like, the Rockets are on a five-game win streak. Ayo. So That's because we got Harden in the beard. Dude, the Raptors are doing great, though. Well, I mean, they're 46-18, and 18, but, like, the Eastern Conference. So, if, I mean, it wouldn't be so bad if the Lakers were in the Eastern Conference. Because, if so, they'd be a sitting, like... Uh, no, they'd be sitting like number eight. Never mind. They're in their number ten right now, so they're playing in an easier conference. But here's here's the reason why that loss to the Suns was so bad. The Suns are thirteen and fifty one, meaning they've lost fifty one games, but they're on a one game win streak because they beat the Lakers. But they won. <laughs> oh my lord! And they won thirteen. <laughs> and it's like people are saying LeBron is trash. I don't think LeBron is trash. I think that. Um, LeBron is kind of not the only player on his team right now, but they just thought that he was going to come to the Lakers and just be something phenomenal. And I, I, I knew it wasn't going to, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I don't think that the Lakers team he will just be built in a day. Have the, um, he just doesn't have the team. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, he's got three more years in his contract with them after this season. So and I of think, course we got Balls kids. They'll be there soonish. Right? Yeah, Lonzo, Lonzo's on the Lakers already. Um, yeah, but that's just one of three, or not right? Lonzo. Uh, um, what's his face? So that'll be fine. I they're just trash this season. They they <laughs> they're just gonna have to throw the whole season away. I honestly want to say that this is like one of the first times in like history that, or not not one of the first times in history, but one of the like first times in recent history that the Lakers aren't gonna be in the playoffs. So at this point, it's better for them to just try to bomb it and try to get like a good pick in the draft. Or I mean, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, Zion. <laughs> well, I don't honestly. Yeah, he'll probably declare for the draft at the end of the year. So, um, yeah, and then in conference play, the Suns are eight and thirty-two. Oh, so, like, not bad. <laughs> like they're actual. So what you're telling me is they're actually bad. There's a chance. Absolutely, they're they're that bad. That's why it was so significant that um, the Lakers lost to them. But you know. Um, we'll do a Tarleton Sports Update next week, but well, also... I actually have a little bit of update since I did work both uh, the women's oh, and do. the men's basketball did, game. Yeah, how did basketball go this weekend? Um, so I did their Thursday game, so that was still, I think it was still February, right? February yeah. 28th? February yeah. started Friday. Yeah, so it was uh, February 28th, and we ended up winning, the w- the women won by 20 points, and then the men hey. won by like, I don't know, quite a bit. Quite a bit, like 30 points, I want to say. So both our women and our men ended up winning at over at Eastern New Mexico State. So, woo. All right. That's 700 and something miles away from home, but they still they still brought home that W. So congratulations to uh, Tarleton Texans and Texans basketball. Y'all did a fantastic job, and I hope we can carry that momentum over into this week. Um, I know. Same. I think they only have like after the spring break. I think they come back and we start up the um, the tournaments. I want to say. Yeah, because March Madness, baby. Yeah, so 
We're going to be having a little bit of that. So we'll kind of be able to keep our rankings or at least keep you updated about the rankings that we've been doing. Yep. So, And then we're also going to be at some of the softball and baseball games playing music for KXJR 100.7 The Planet. That's so right. we will definitely make sure to keep you guys updated on that. Uh, so thank you and stick thank- around for next week for a new episode of Wave, Wave of the, the Planet. Planet. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe for updates when new episodes drop. And follow our station on Twitter and on Facebook at The Planet 107 to see everything going on at Tarleton Radio.